career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Okay, guys, let's admit it. We, well, no, I don't want to generalize. Okay, a lot of us, well, maybe most of us have seen porn. Gay porn, maybe some of us have even done the straight porn thing. And we go, wow, the adult film industry, it's kind of interesting. What is this industry all about? And then the shame sets in. And all those little voices of when we were coming out or pre-coming out, all that sort of stuff starts to take us down these paths. Well, today we're going to go down some of those paths. And I'm so, so excited, not in a weird sexual way, well, maybe a little bit, to be having this conversation with someone who has carved a path from being a Mormon missionary boy going to BYU, graduating from medical school and moving through, meeting the love of his life and stepping into creating a really amazing world for who he is in the world, career-wise and everything else. And we're going to go down the path of what got him there, but we're really going to focus on what's right with being sex positive, what's right with adult entertainment and porn, what's right for having a, a really powerful sexual appetite and what's right if you don't have a really strong sexual appetite we're going to try to cover all that gang in 30 minutes but today my guest is legrand wolf some of you may know that name if you are somebody who watches some of the adult entertainment stuff he is the founder of several different sites that fall under the umbrella of carnal plus You've got carnalplus.com, you've got barebackplus.com, ftmplus.com, thegaygods.com. They go on and on and on because this guy is on a mission to make sex positivity everybody's world. So, Legrand, I am really looking forward to this conversation, man. Thanks for being here on 40 Plus. Yeah, likewise. Super excited to be here. Cool. So... You've had quite the journey. I already kind of gave everybody the journey like, hey, Mormon boy to like running a lot of different things. What was that key critical moment in your own journey when you said, I absolutely positively can no longer be this? Because I went through that being a Seventh-day Adventist kid. I'm like, fine. I said, nope, this isn't who I am. What was that kind of crowning moment for you before we got into all the other stuff you created? You mean leading, leading a religious tradition? Yeah, religious. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I had I'd gotten myself into, as you said, as a Mormon missionary, um, into a leadership position um, by uh, just learning Russian. So I, I served a mission in Ukraine, as in the Ukraine Donetsk mission. Um, and because I knew Russian before I went on my mission, to some extent, I lived when I was 16 in Ukraine, uh, studying arts and music. Uh, so magically, when I submitted my mission papers to go on a mission, um, God decided that I should be a missionary where I already speak the language. Mm -hmm. To Ukraine, um, and then because I spoke the language, I was able to sort of uh, work through um, the leadership ranks relatively easily. Um, it wasn't necessarily a goal, but you know, I, I think I gravitated naturally towards certain uh, leadership um, positions. Uh, and eventually, found myself uh, being selected to be what's called a branch president, um, and it's, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like a pastor for uh, a congregation. So I'm no longer sure. a leader of missionaries; I'm now a leader at twenty. 
uh, I was a leader of like a bunch of individuals who were U Ukrainian individuals who were coming to this church uh, with hopes and, and kind of expectations of being able to kind of, you know, grow um, spiritually and, and, and can also, also personally. It's a very weird position to be at 20. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, since you're leading this congregation, one of the things you were supposed to do is also train new leaders. So I was training uh, this guy who I thought was brilliant, uh, super handsome. Um, maybe that's one of the reasons why I gravitated towards him, but very talented, you know, good guy. And, uh, as part of the training, you know, you, you have a bunch of interviews with them and, um, we got towards the end and I was going to sort of tell him, Hey, look, you know, you're going to replace me. I'm, I've been asked by, you know, the mission president, by the powers of be to, to go on to another area and do the same thing that I did here. Yep. Uh, and we're having this conversation. He's, you know, very grateful. And then he says, and I said, you know, you're going to receive what's called the uh, Melchizedek priesthood. It's the highest priesthood in, in uh, Mormon, Mormondom, at least that they tell people about. And, uh, and so I uh, was telling him that this is going to happen. And he said, I, I have to stop you. I need to ask you a question. Uh, do I need to continue to look like a man in order to receive the Melchizedek priesthood? Hmm. Uh, and I said, uh, well, I'm sorry, what do you mean? And he said, well, and he's speaking in Russian. And he says, uh, what translates to, I have a blind vaginal canal. Mm. I, now, <laughs> I don't care how much Russian, you know, a, a young 20-year-old, you know, uh, and I had, I had been a paramedic. I had some degree of, you know, medical training before I went into, um, you know, went into uh, being more of a missionary and being on, on my mission. Um, the words were there, but they didn't make sense to me. Um, gotcha. it's, a, it's a vaginal canal that does not see, I think is like the literal translation um, to me, there is a vaginal canal that does not see anyway, whatever. So it was a right, very right. strange thing to hear. And, um, I tried to piece this together very rapidly. Uh, and, and, and then ultimately he, he's telling me about this thing called Kleinfelter syndrome. I mean, it's syndrome. And so like, I'm, I don't know what that is. So I ask questions and it becomes clear that this is a man, uh, who is saying, you know, what if I want to marry another man? Do I need to dress like a woman? Mm. Because I'm told that very specific things. And he's like, I, I think I do want to marry another man. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I, I'm thinking, oh, you're gay. Like, this is a problem. He's like, but I have a blind vaginal canal. I'm like, you're not gay. Do I need to dress mm -hmm. like a Anyway, wildly confusing for a little 20-year-old brain that's sure. Know. And at a certain point, he says, you know, I, I need some clarification on this. And I go to the mission president. And the mission president says, yes, you know, the appearance of evil, he must dress like a woman. And therefore, we cannot give him a custody priesthood. And I was very upset by this. And it, it stayed with me for a very long time. Uh, and I really didn't talk about this much uh, because I kind of thought, coming home from my Mormon mission and going to BYU and then going to University of Utah Medical School as opposed to out of state. This was my opportunity to kind of overcome this thing that I knew that I had. I, I was gay. So although this really profoundly affected my sense, because I, I ultimately said to him, I was like, we have no business having any opinion on this. This is mm -hmm. completely not right. It's not okay. Um, but I am being told that you need to look at, he ultimately declined, you know, this position, thankfully, and there, a bunch of different things happened, but, you know, it stayed with me. And uh, I think it was the beginning of the end me wow it made it possible for me then to come out a few years later um as a young person i was 25 um during my first year of medical school uh, i made that decision um and i'm not sure that that sort of unwinding of my belief system would have happened as quickly unless mm -hmm. you know this 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 particular event had taken place yeah uh, it did and then lots of other things sort of happened and fell in place but that was it for me it was really I don't think that the Mormon church should have a place. I feel like the answer was wholly inadequate. I'm not going to go into all the details of all the sure. area authority and conversations that are happening. It was, it was weird and, and, um, and very eye-opening. And I, because I was willing at that point to have doubt 
And that was mm -hmm. the most critical thing was just allow myself to have some doubt that everything, you know, is exactly as it is. Maybe it is, but you know, the, the, the doubt opens the way to critical thinking, to more yeah. doubt, to kind of, you know, being susceptible to ideas. Uh, that was, that was critical. And, and I, I also am grateful that in my family, my parents had always left open the door for me to have some healthy doubt. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that's why, you know, when, when finally I left the Mormon church, this, this, this was a, a kind of a, a way in which it could happen. Um, and it did, thankfully. And that's really powerful because I can't help and I don't know you that well, but I, listening to you share that story and where, you, you know, you moved to and your own doubt and curiosity and, you know, validating where you were going and, and like really having that critical thinking I can't help but think that that's also probably that's helped you get where you sit today as the founder and leader of Carnal Media and really like looking through that lens of, wait, do I really have to buy into this construct that adult entertainment has to be this hush hush, let's not talk about it, let's make it a guilty shame, blah, 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 or can we take it another direction? And I know that's a lot of what is behind your mission and your vision with carnal media. Yes. The average person could say it's just porn. Okay. Well, yes, but you indicated to me before we even turned on the, like, let's record this thing that your mission is much different. There's a vision that you have for being in this adult entertainment industry that you're trying to make something more prevalent. And I'm going to let you kind of share that something or some things more prevalent because there's so much bad rap that porn adult film gets. So what is your big vision for where you want to see at least carnal media make the difference in this industry? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, as you're talking, I was sort of, you know, thinking through the, the journey that we all go through, um, and was trying to sort of like, you know, rewind uh, a little bit, um, you rewind the clock in my mind and kind of remember where a lot of these things started for me. Um, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, gay porn in general, I remember the journey of, uh, in fact, if I, if I go back far enough, I can, I can kind of repeat this particular journey over and over again. So as a kid, I couldn't even say the word masturbation. That was mm. just such like a horrifying word to even say, but of course I was masturbating and you have this tremendous sense of guilt. And then if someone says the word masturbation, if a leader or someone, you know, they describe it, you're, you kind of like turn many colors of red and you don't want anything right. with it. If someone were to ask you in, you know, a worthiness interview, you know, do you masturbate? You just want to sort of like melt into the floor and die. Absolutely. There, right. Just please. Can we never say the masturbation word, which is hilarious, but you know, and then later, you know, I think there was a point when my dad, you know, came to me, he sensed that something was kind of weird about this whole thing. And I think it was like 18, 17, 18, I was about to go on my Mormon mission. And he said, I just want to be clear. Masturbation is normal and healthy. Mm -hmm. And although you're hearing a lot of weird things in the church and whatever, I'm telling you, it is a normal, natural response to sort of your hormones. It's please do not feel guilty about this thing. Um, because also, you know, anyway, so I remember that journey. Um, mm -hmm. I remember sort of coming to a head with when my dad, you know, had this conversation with me and then thinking about it later, um, even though I didn't masturbate once for two years on my mission, 
one of those things that's sort of like absolutely insane to even think about a 19 to 21 year old doesn't masturbate crazy um mm. uh but uh, you know at the, at the time you know you're it, you don't really think about it that much um you know once you make that decision you're going to do it uh but in retrospect totally wild um but but also you know i went through this journey again like homosexuality i remember thinking oh, but i'm not gay people are mm-hmm. gay. gay yep um you know, I know these things about myself, but that word, that thing, the stigma associated with it, that's not me. Then you come out and I remember horrifyingly saying, you know, but I'm not a feminine, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, there are those kind of gays, but I'm not a flamboyant gay. Right. And over and over again, you sort of have these, and, and, and by the way, they're supported by a lot uh, of the, the cultural context that exists around you. You wouldn't feel yep. weird about masturbation as a kid, unless there was a reason, unless people were sort of putting it into your head that this was this horrifying, shameful thing. Yep. Is it really horrifying and shameful that a young man is going to masturbate? No, absolutely not. You know, later, is it horrifying and shameful that you're gay or that you should identify as gay because of the sex that you want? No, absolutely not. But but you don't, like the, the context that you live within allows you to sort of say and imagine horrible things about gay people. Yes. That, that, that if you remember that, if you can live in that moment, then it's not too hard to imagine that this can happen over and over and over again. And maybe you should really question and and doubt those uh, strongly held perceptions of things that maybe don't deserve a really bad rap. Some things do, but some things yes. don't. Um, and when it came down to it, when I was looking at porn, um, you know, I, I was a consumer of porn. I was thinking about porn. I was ashamed of the porn that I was consuming when I was at BYU working around their firewall to, to watch the porn that I watched. Um, I remember thinking uh, by the time I got to medical school and I was having a conversation, um, you know, in one of the classes about how bad porn was, of course, as a porn consumer, it's an incredibly hypocritical thing, you know, how bad it is and how it destroys relationships and um, it destroys your ability to feel natural feelings of love. And of course this is coming out of my mouth. And at this point, you know, yeah. I'm two seconds of, you know, being a person who's going to um, come out of the closet and leave Mormonism. But the person responded who was responding to me was this uh, lovely human being, one of my professors. And he said, you know, I, I really challenge you to think about what evidence you have. Challenge you to think about, you know, this on a, on a slightly different level. Imagine that you're just, an, you know, an outsider. Maybe you're an alien looking at this planet. And if you really look at it from the outside, I got to tell you, the evidence doesn't support some of the things that you're saying. There are people that will tell you those things. And they'll try and put together a story that supports the conclusion that they've already come to. But when it comes down to it, if you just think about this on a scientific level, the things that you're saying, they're not true. It's like, you know, porn performers commit suicide at the highest rate. You know, this is a very unhealthy, you know, thing. And it's an unhealthy relationship. And there are all these things that are sort of spouting off because I've been trained to. Um, and he said, you know, I'm sorry. And, and by the way, this was a straight dude. And he had uh, a young son that had just been born and he had a young daughter who was like three years old um just a like lovely human being was um i think semi-religious in his own way but you know in, in utah wasn't mormon which kind of stood out and he was a thinker and uh and and i was so shocked that this father that this kind of straight person uh who was in the medical you know establishment which is very conservative frankly 
Um, yeah. And it's a very conservative um, medical school, even though the University of Utah is much more liberal. The, the medical school campus is in one of the most extremely conservative uh, medical schools in the nation. And they're all very conservative. Mm-hmm. I was really, really shocked. And, and, um, and I, I thought about it and I thought, wow, I, I feel pretty foolish. I really should spend more time thinking and analyzing these things yep. before you know, coming to this sort of conclusion. And I did. And it, it took me only you know, about a year to on the other end of that journey of really analyzing and thinking, looking at the data, spending time, you know, kind of talking to uh, friends who were psychologists and kind of professors, whatever, lots of, you know, personal lifting up the hood and sort of thinking yep, about it. Absolutely. To, to get to the point where I was like, actually, there are tons of reasons why this is not only a good thing, but it's a really, really good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing for couples. It's a good thing for people. It's a good thing to help people understand you know, what their kinks are. It's a good thing to help people mm-hmm. understand that their fantasies are safe. Porn is the place that you should have a doctor having sex with a patient, not real life. Let's definitely not think that it's okay for doctors to be fucking their patients. But in porn, if that's your fantasy, that fantasy is healthy and it's great. Um, you know, just, you know, I started to realize why would we have any different view of porn than we do of any other, you know, video media? We, we create videos all the time where, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, th- there was exactly. this moment that happened when I was at BYU, or, or excuse me, when I was in medical school, when um, the biggest theater chains refused to show Brokeback Mountain, refused, mm-hmm. but they had this movie called Hostel playing, and it yep. was the leading spot thing. And it's about uh, a couple of young um, women who are uh, going to hostels, so they're, they're, they're students, and they're in another country, and they get abducted, and then uh, they're auctioned off to someone who wants to cut them up into little pieces while they're still alive, murdering them um, yep. for, for kind of their own play. And, and it's very graphic. I've never seen it because I can't actually stomach this kind of content, but they're playing hostile, but they won't play Brokeback Mountain. And I, mm-hmm. I was astonished to realize that we have the, I think as gay people, we have the same relationship to porn as this broader straight community as to a very innocent, beautiful film like Brokeback Mountain. They're fine with Hostel. They're not okay with Brokeback Mountain. Yep. I've all, LeGrand, Le I have, this is one, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. This is one of the things that has bugged me for so long. But we can, yeah. we can see people chop people up. We can see people shoot people. We can see people, you know, and, and we, I we, know it's all artistic. But we do special effects where someone's brains get blown out. And exactly. They're like, oh, you know, my favorite thing to do is kind of get together with my friends and watch these gory horror films. You know, oh, I'm right. a horror film buff. Do you remember this horror film? Do you remember that horror film? Right. By the way, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, I happen to love Kill Bill, and literally, they they had like fire hydrants of blood shooting out of people's mm-hmm. like neck cavity right. um, to to sort of illustrate this comic book level of gore that for me is no longer believable so I can stomach it because it's so right. far beyond what you would actually expect in right. reality. I don't perceive it to be sort of a thing that right. causes my entire body to convulse, but I also don't have a problem in a free speech with people creating art and consuming art that is for me, not pleasant and I wouldn't right. want it, right? right? But I, I was just dumbfounded to realize that the gay community, which has experienced all of the things that we've experienced and I kind of described mm-hmm. a couple, like with the masturbation yeah. the religious shame right. the shame about right. that that is the community that is as a whole not not the individual parts but as a whole tends to be the most vocal about how much they are repulsed by or do not like or do not want certain gay fantasy to be represented 
They don't like, they don't watch gay porn. Oh, I, I have a great love life. I, I have sex with my husband so many times. Why would I ever watch porn? And you're like, well, you're kind of playing that up so much. It makes me not believe maybe that you're actually having sex in your personal relationship. Great. Right? Like the people who yell loudest about, you know, I'm not gay or likely gay. The people who are yelling loudest about not watching porn or frequently watching porn. It's just, and, and why do we have that shame? Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, I, I really started to challenge that in my mind because once I realized that we exist this way, this is how um, we're approaching porn, gay porn. Yes. Then I then I started to ask why, and here's an interesting thing that came up. In the history of straight sex, in the history of straight people representing straight sex, there has never been a time in our human history where, globally speaking, gay sex has been criminalized. Mm. Or excuse me, and then start over. I, misspoke. No, I, I know where you were going. In the history, in the history of straight sex, straight sex has never been criminalized. So it, throughout all world history, throughout all time, there has never been a time when straight sex has been criminalized. And straight people can make depictions of straight sex. All people can make depictions of straight sex. And while there might be some shame, there might be a certain, it is not globally true that there's ever been a problem with this. When I was born, that was the year that the Supreme Court decided to strike down the anti the anti sodomy laws. The year I was born. Now, maybe I'm ancient, but I don't think I'm necessarily an ancient person. Uh, right. I made it your podcast because I, I broke through the other side of a particular you know n- numerical barrier. Yeah. Great, right. but it turns out that was just two seconds ago. It, yes, not even that. like in, in, in exactly the of, like the the world, we just barely decriminalized gay sex. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We and just, there's those out there that want to criminalize it once again. That's the still, irony to but, it. And the, and and not only that, we also live in a world where only very recently did we decriminalize depictions of gay sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to sit with that for a minute because that was where when I got to the point where I realized, okay, I understand, you know, that we relate to gay porn in the same way that we, you know, as children related to masturbation. Like once I kind of got through, I worked through all of this. Mm-hmm. And I realized that actually, you know, there there are really positive things to recommend porn and gay porn in particular. One of the biggest ones is the normalization of gay sex, because the only thing that makes gay people or more uh, descriptively men who have sex with men different than men who have sex with women. The only thing. Yes, we use a term called gay. Yes, we use a term called homosexual. But there is only one fundamental difference, not that you're a, a hairdresser, you're better you know, at style, you're more likely to be in theater or to sing, whatever. None of those things from a biological standpoint are true. What is true is that you choose to have sex with men, that you are attracted to men. Yep. And other people choose to have sex with women and they are attracted to women. There's, a, there's, there's lots of sort of like... Uh, you know, mixing and 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 bisexuality and gender fluidity. But when you when you're talking about the homophobia and you're talking about the bigotry that exists against men who have sex with men at the rates that we talk about them, it is about the sex. It is about nothing else. Yep. So when we have pride parades and they aren't putting front and center the thing that that we should be proud of. The thing that we should be celebrating, the thing that, that we need to normalize, which is sex. And instead, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We need to not see the sex at all. We don't want to freak people out because we're just two men who want to have a white picket fence and a, and a kid and a dog. We're just like you in every single way. Don't even think about what's happening in the bedroom. Blah, 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 blah. That's 
that's dangerous because actually we want people to be aware that the thing that makes us different, that's the very thing that must be normalized. And everyone just has to be like, yeah, who cares? You know, you're a white wine drinker. I'm a red wine drinker. Who cares? I don't have to hide that. You don't have to pretend that's not true. You, I don't need to like shield my glass of red wine. It's a matter right. of taste. Um, in the same way, I want it to be just about as interesting that I have, you know, sex with a man as mm -hmm. what brand of toothpaste I use. or what Well, it's, it's kind of like the way, so one of my, my good friends is Dr. Joe Court. He's a very big voice in our gay community. He's one of the sex therapists that's out there. And I remember, you know, he's kind of the guy who coined the term side. Well, as soon as people started talking about, oh, I'm a side. Oh my gosh, the community went, you, how, then you can't really be gay. If you just, you side, you don't want to be penetrated. And, all. and I'm just like, no, it, the only thing that makes that different is they still want to have sex with a guy. It's just how they have sex with a guy is their preference. And it's so interesting to me, and I love what you just shared because it really aligns with how I see the world as well. It's very simple. And, and Joe actually talks about this a lot. He talks about there are guys that want to have sex with guys. That's what they want to do. Doesn't necessarily mean they want to live, quote, a gay lifestyle. They just have transactional sex with guys because they like having sex, period, end of statement. But people always throw that back. And I've seen him throw because <laughs> I've seen it happen. I mean, Joe and I have done a couple of podcasts. The thing, as you said, that makes things different is we are guys who want to have sex with guys. There it is. It's that it's simple. It's that. It's and that I agree. When we hide this from the world and say, okay, well, let's not talk about this. It's like people who are like, yes, I'm in an open relationship, but I don't want to talk about it. Then you're making it so easy for being in a polyamorous or non-monogamous relationship to be shamed, period, end of statement. And here's the, here's the interesting thing, right? When you say, you know, what is, you know, your, your goal and mission? I mean, obviously I'm a business owner and, and um, you know, when I was leaving medical school um, and starting up a business, because this wasn't the very first one that happened when I was starting up a business and then I started up another business, you know, we are all playing uh, this, this game of, you know, monopoly, this, this capitalist yep. game Yep. Uh, you have to play um, if you want to put food on the table. Yep. And there's a shame in that, that like, if you don't play that game, that's probably a little bit foolish. So you didn't choose the game right. you were playing, but you're born into this, you know, society, right. society certain kind of uh, economic, you know, realities. And so we, we, we embrace those realities, but that doesn't mean that you embrace those economic realities and then you have to do something that is unethical. Um, and, and, and we could have a separate conversation about ethics. But, but I, you know, the, you know, you don't have to be a, uh, a warlord or, you know, uh, someone who is, you know, harming other people in order to succeed in, you know, this particular economic reality. Yep. Um, you should, uh, if possible, try and gravitate towards those things that you're good at and that, that you like yep. to do and that are ethically, you know, like happy. And in my case, really fucking believe in what I'm doing. Um, I, mm -hmm. I really, you know, I think it's, I think it is one of, if not one of the best thing that I possibly could have chosen. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and let me walk you through, and it's not just destigmatizing, you know, gay sex, which I think is really important. It's also really critically important in, in my view that anyone who is involved in this recognizes that our product, right? The product that we are giving people yep. are safe STD orgasms in the privacy of their room, which if you're in a place like uh, a lot of our customers are, um, various Middle Eastern countries where 
to outwardly express that you are gay and you're interested in having sex with men, not only is potentially criminal, but it carries with it a death sentence. Right? Yep. But in the privacy yep. of their room, using uh, various privacy you know, uh, techniques to, to protect their kind of online identity and their online activity, they're able to consume gay porn. They're able, mm-hmm. to, able even further to explore their fantasies and not feel alone in the world mm-hmm. and recognize that they and who they are, what they are, is something that is, you know, uh, good, maybe, and, 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 you know, other people celebrate this, and then they can have an orgasm without any risk of uh, being thrown in jail if they're, if they're doing this right and carefully, uh, without any risk of, you know, personal harm, they're not going to pick up an STD, right? This is, sort of, you're giving someone an orgasm. Our product is an orgasm. Yep. How fantastic. Other people have lots of different products, but I, I have to sort of weigh them out and, and i think you know absolutely a natural thing that orgasm as a product is really good um well it's, it's one of the things that makes us who we are and again i'm going to come back to you you may not be somebody who's like okay i'm going to watch porn every day you may not be somebody who's like masturbation on a daily basis is my thing but whatever your thing is the freedom to let it be i was working with one of my clients and they shared that all of a sudden their partner admitted that they really like watching transgender porn. And he was kind of like, I didn't know what to do with it. I said, isn't that actually really beautiful that you now know that doesn't mean your partner wants to leave you for somebody else. But now you know that you have something now that can actually enhance your relationship. It may not be your thing, but wow, if you can accommodate that with them and watch, maybe, maybe. So I said, did you ask, like, do you want to do that sort of stuff privately? Would you want to share that? He goes, I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm like, okay, but I'm just giving you ways to like make some connection. And if not, what a powerful freaking conversation to be able to have with somebody you really care about. Because it's like, I see you, I hear you. I want you to continue to have pleasure. Or I also want to meet you where I can help you enhance the pleasure and be more of that. And oftentimes the guilt and shame shows up really quickly. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine. I'm like, why not? You give yourself permission to have the conversation. What a beautiful freaking thing. Well, and that, and that is a segue into the other really critical thing that we believe in at Cornell. Um, and, and I think I really hope that more broadly we believe in, in the world. And I touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, people have already embraced this idea that they can be a fan of, you know, certain genres that although they're fiction, they're, they're a fiction rel- that, that, uh, relate to if they were real, something really terrible, mm-hmm. right? So horror and gore are a fiction, and and mm-hmm. so if you really like this and you really gravitate towards it, that's fine. I'm not going to immediately assume that you want to go out and kill people, or that you want to right. go out and kind of watch. You don't want to be a spectator in in a new version of the Colosseum where people are getting ripped to pieces. You are instead watching a fictional representation of something, and you have a particular response to it, and that's fine. We want people to understand that their fantasies, the things that go on in their heads, we want to give them permission to explore those fantasies and feel good about them. Because you oftentimes have no control over your fantasies. And why shouldn't you be able to enjoy and explore those fantasies in your head? Why shouldn't you be able to explore them? Are we going to become Nazis and burn books, or the equivalent uh, of burning books, burn any media that doesn't conform to what you want people to read or what you think is okay? Media is just that. It's a way to explore things, explore ideas, 
explore things that maybe shouldn't exist in reality. That we shouldn't burn those mm-hmm. books. We shouldn't yes. destroy those those movies. We should embrace them as a way in which uh, we can look at and explore mentally, like in, in our minds, those things that exist in our mind. Um, and when it comes to fantasies, it's even more powerful because you're having not just, you know, like an increased heart, you know, response, the, the heart rate response. You're not having just an increased, increased blood pressure response. You're not just tickling, you know, certain parts of your uh, fight or flight, um, you know, nerve centers in your brain. You might right. be tickling, you know, other parts of your brain that are arousal. And that's great. You should kind of stimulate those things. You should explore them, allow that to have a lot of freedom to really think and explore. And therefore that media that we produce uh, allows people to sort of explore those fantasies, mm-hmm. feel really good about them and then have a physical reaction to them, have a, you know, an ejaculation. That's beautiful. You're, you're giving people fantasy uh, material. You're allowing them to explore that fantasy material and you're mm-hmm. telling them fantasies are okay because they're yes. fantasies, because they're fiction. And, and I, I hope uh, that the more we have this conversation over time, I hope that we stop having this conversation that I have to have with people where they say, yes, 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 but you are glorifying X, Y, or Z. And because it, in my mind, it goes back to the, you know, if you tell a kid uh, that masturbation is normal, then you're glorifying. Kids are going to now be masturbating. We can't have that. This is a sin. Uh, right. if, if you talk about the fact that homosexuality is okay, that this is a thing, more kids are going to choose to be gay. You know, they're going to, you know, and I'm like, no, it's just, it's just, a, it's a conversation. What comes mm-hmm. after that, it may be that it's appropriate for people to mm-hmm. act in the case of masturbation and homosexuality. We want them, we want people to be able to say, oh, okay, I can masturbate. I can do these things. In the case of other fantasies, you want people to say, this is okay. And I can explore it in a book. I can explore it in, you know, a movie medium. Um, it is okay to think about why you might have someone who, uh, I don't know, like has some vendetta to go out and um, like, you can explore this in a movie. What does revenge actually look like? And then you can see the consequences maybe in a movie. Maybe decide, you know, yeah, this, this is something that can play out in a movie. It's not something that we really want in real life because people die. Um, exactly. You know, in, I, I think here's a really good example of this, uh, Legrand. And, and I've talked about this before. So I was one of those people who was sexually awakened by somebody older in my world. Ironically, even when that happened, my little gay brain at seven, eight years old, even though I didn't get it, suddenly got it. Because when that happened, the first time I saw his cock and got to touch it and everything, I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning that that should have happened. But guess what happened in my head? Things made sense. Oh my gosh, I get this. I I get why I looked at guys. I get why, you know, again, I'm not condoning any of that. But in my head, I'm like, wow, I'm starting to make sense of this. Now, it took me from that to 36 years old to finally really unravel all of this, even though at 19, I came out, but even at 19, guess what was hanging in there? All the guilt and shame around being homosexual and all this sort of stuff. And it was right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. And I lost my uncle right out the gate who was gay to AIDS and HIV. He was one of the very first to be counted. So all I was doing was living in fear. 
the entire time. That did not turn me into a sexual predator. I am not a groomer. I am not a toucher. I am none of that. No, and I think this is this interesting thing of people make all these assumptions of this is what's going to happen if you condone this. Or I, there are so many fantasies that I have about doing certain things. Yet, probably a good majority of them, but like a high majority of them, I would probably never do. Never do. This is a really good topic um, because people assume. Uh, and they assume this before the porn thing ever rears its head. They assume that if you're gay, you're a, you're into bestiality. You're gonna you're you're a fucking right, animal. exactly. They assume that if you're gay, you're a pedophile. They yep. assume that if you're gay, you know whatever. So immediately when people come out, and they assume that if you're gay, you're effeminate, you're girly. They assume that if you're gay, one of you is going to be the woman in the relationship. One of you is yep. in the relationship. They assume, they assume, they assume. So we come out and we say, just so you know, I, I'm a man and I'm into men. You know, just so you know. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I'm into guys my age. I, I, you yep. know, just so you know, I'm not into, you know, animals. Because we're, we're really conscious of all of this sort of baggage that people are throwing on us. Mm-hmm. So, then we come out. And then, you know, we sort of, you know, go through some iterations in life and, and we say, okay, I've learned quite a bit. There are people who are effeminate and there are people who are not. And and I, you know, as a, as a person who is, you know, cultured, as a person who's paying attention to my community, I don't think that we should, you know, have a problem with people who are, uh, who, who are gender non-conforming. Why should that be a big deal? Why should we care? And and suddenly you have this big groundswell support, which we should for people. Absolutely. We have this big groundswell support to protect trans individuals who are incredibly vulnerable. Okay. That's a good thing. Then we we go further and we say, but just so you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a pedophile. Why, why is it that we need uh, to go out of our way to tell people like you that, oh, well, that thing that you just said, that's so scary. I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. people have their experiences and they can't they can't change it. Our society makes rules and laws for a reason. And it's to protect people. We want to yep. protect young individuals. Now, sometimes we say in order to protect young individuals, we want to make sure that we destroy a bunch of books in the schools. Don't let these young people learn about X, Y, and Z. And I think that's bullshit. But on the other hand, yep. on the other hand, we say, let's protect young people um, and let's make sure that we don't let them drink or smoke or have sex at a certain age. And let's make sure that we protect them from people who might want to have sex with them who are older. Frankly, I'm much more in the camp of, I agree with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I agree that young people probably should be prevented from consuming alcohol or, or, you know, uh, smoking cigarettes by and large as a general rule. I think that is the right way to go. Now there could be exceptions. You know, I know that in Europe, sometimes, you know, kids are drinking at a little younger age and, we sort of, I think, like to, um, we like to imagine that Europeans are much more enlightened. And in some ways they probably are. And that's great. And so that, you know, at dinner, kids will have, you know, a glass of wine, mom and dad will give it to them. And that, that's, that's probably okay. But I think as a general rule, having children not drink alcohol, good idea. That's a good idea. Uh, some people are even prone to alcoholism. And if there isn't a mom and dad at the table to show them how to do it correctly, but kids yeah. are just drinking, probably actually a terrible idea. Right. One of the things that I appreciate about my parents, or I'm going to go with my dad, yeah, who was a tough, he was a tough cookie. He was a, I'll just say he was a SOB. Is he did say all through growing up, if you want to drink, you want to do drugs, you can do that. But guess what you're going to do? You're going to do it in my presence. 
because I want you to be safe about it. Well, just for the record, I, when it comes to sex, I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel about that. Right. Now. Yeah. I don't want to go down I, that I, route I either. Think, I mean, I have been around psychologists who will make some pretty interesting arguments like, you know, shouldn't mom and dad be there to show you sex, you know, the first time? Anyway, whatever. Really weird kind of right. out there. That but, would be really but, weird. But, but, but weird, weird by today's standards. Who knows what some future alien planet would actually think about their statements? Who knows? No, but, but I, I think ha- being able to have a really conscious conversation with your child about. So let's talk about you know, this stuff in a way. That's where I'm going with this, which is that I remember that the most helpful conversations that I had were with um, uh, my father who was not willing to let shame sort of, you know, get in the way. He said, I want to talk to you about these things. And when ultimately I came out at 25, you know, and I was a medical student, he was the first, you know, person in my, like my sphere that I, I came out to. And, and he said, I think we've gotten the gay thing wrong. Right. And he was willing to have this conversation, this kind of intellectual conversation first. He was willing to have it with me in a way that was lovely. And I know that not everyone has that experience with their fathers, but I did. And I'm grateful for it. But, you know, it's also true, which is that I I think that we work so hard to distance ourselves from this identity uh, of pedophiles. We go too far. When I was coming out, my first boyfriend, I was 25. I was an adult. And my first boyfriend was 40. And he was so hot and he was so sweet and he knew how to have sex and it was great sex. Um, He had lived in San Francisco. He also had grown up Mormon. He moved back to Salt Lake. Uh, I just got like a master's course because I I didn't have sex education for gay people when I was, you know, in school just didn't exist. I didn't, we didn't even have how to date courses, you know, it's like, here, just figure it out. I didn't know what I was doing in terms of dating, except for the things I had learned as a Mormon. I didn't know what I was doing in terms of sex, top, bottom. What What is this douching? You right. think I had any clue about any of this stuff? No one does. No. You come out, if you had a Mormon background, you did everything you could to be as far away from as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, and the porn that I did watch was coming like line by line over a modem that made weird sounds. <laughs> so I'm just like, I did not have a particularly good education about some of these things. And to have that boyfriend yeah. was great. But I remember... The first time we went out, I got so many people saying, oh, you're so hot. That guy's so gross. What are you doing? Oh, he's so gross. And I was like, that is not going to endear you to me because I really like this guy. Right. And so it kind of created this weird rift. I really like this uh, yeah. guy. And, and and I felt these feelings that I had never felt before. And suddenly I was understanding lyrics and songs like I love you. And I think about you all the time, which I'd never really <laughs> appreciated. And now suddenly I do. Yep. And then, you know, my community is saying this is gross. And I'm like, the difference between us is what, 15 years? It barely right. matters. Like, like I, once you reach 25, like this is a very different thing than if I were like 12 and dating a 40 year old, right? Yep. I'm not 12, I'm 25. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the interest, I think of distancing ourselves from, you know, individuals who have relationships that are outside of what we consider to be legally and lawful, you know, relationships, right. by the way, very recently, homosexuality, any type of relationship also was outside, out of bounds. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But I, I do think it's really important to recognize that we have no social construct, nothing to support a relationship that would exist if someone is a teenager and having sex with someone who is much older. Mm-hmm. There is there is no framework for that. Nope. So we, we do a lot to say when you are an adult, you can have sex and you can have the sex that you want to have sex. And, and I'm in the camp of, I support that. Yep. I support that. 
Uh, I, I think that you need more information, but I also am in the camp of, can we please be giving information to young people so they make smart decisions when they start having sex? Mm -hmm. By that, yeah. I mean, let's go through the normal channels. If there's sex education in school, can that sex education also include information about homosexual sex? So it's not absolutely. Can yep. we also tell people that it's okay to be gay? That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating for porn in schools, although no, no, no. I, I, I don't care if young people see, they're going to see it anyway, just like the ones who want to go and find the cigarette and the alcohol, they're going to find it. Yep. Ideally, we put the, put it in a place and put them in a space where they can do these things in a healthy way where they're not mm -hmm. up hurting themselves or worse, killing themselves like that. I, I really want to make sure that those things are healthy, but I also want to make sure that our community isn't so ready to distance ourselves from everything that could potentially even smell like a bad thing because we we're gay and we already had like the world's already, you know, out to get us. So okay, please not look like anything else. It's a real problem. If you're operating from it that. is a real problem. Yeah. I remember not, not long ago. Okay. So I, I have biological kids that that's my thing. I have two biological daughters. We have gone years and years ago when they were younger, we went to family week in Provincetown. And I remember walking down the streets that first year and you know there's gay there's lgbtq families all over the place we take over the town just like bear week in province town and all the other weeks you know whatever the week is you're just surrounded by it right and i remember walking past this couple who obviously didn't realize it was family week and they immediately turned their nose up like why are all these gay people trying to be like the heterosexuals and having children man my my I got up really quickly. I didn't say anything. I thought, no, I'm going to hold my tongue on this one. It's such an interesting construct. It, it really is. You because know. I just want, I, I'm blessed that I have kids. And that's one of the things I wanted. I didn't get married to my ex-wife to do that. I think, I think that's the key is that uh, the reality that you're living it, it mm -hmm. is your reality. You don't yes. need to apologize for your reality. And your reality is that you, you know, don't conform to what these people think a man of your age and who looks like you, whatever mm -hmm. should be. If you're a man, you should be married to a woman. If you have kids, you should have a woman with you, not a right. man, right? All of these things are part of their worldview. And, and I do think on the flip side, right? I, I believe in obeying the laws. If you Absolutely. want to, you want to see marijuana law changed, then like Bill Maher, go and advocate for it for a long time. And maybe eventually you can get the marijuana laws changed. Yep. Uh, and, and if there's good data behind it, good for you, you know, yep. work, work it within the system, you know, work to change those things and look at, use data, uh, mm -hmm. use science. But on the other hand, once we're in a reality, we have mm -hmm. to be advocates of ourselves. Absolutely. So if your reality is that you have two kids and you're married to a man, then you also have to advocate for yourself by kind of carrying yourself in a way that allows yep. people to relate. So if you yep. had gone and you had punched someone's lights out because you were annoyed that they looked right. at you a certain way because you've got these kids, that's not a very, you're not a good ambassador right. of the Absolutely. two dudes and kids, you know, model. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and maybe this is coming, I think my, the Mormon in me was trained very much to always think about yourself as an ambassador. You are an ambassador mm -hmm. of, of you. You're an ambassador of what you represent. Um, and I think we need to do a better job. And so here, here's me on your show being an ambassador of porn. And, and I got to tell you, in the adult industry, historically, there have been a lot of people who are not particularly great ambassadors for what we do. Yep. Yep. Um, and because of that, we're in a situation where 
we have a we have a, a thing that we have to contend with. Yep. I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. I get you. Uh, and that thing that we have to contend with is uh, an industry where it's very easy to point to those individuals who are bad actors. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very easy to point to them and then generalize to everyone and say, this industry is represented by those people. Those are the ambassadors that I choose to look to for you know this particular thing. And because yep. they're bad actors, that makes this particular industry bad. Insofar as I am able to do this with my husband, I try mm -hmm. to be an ambassador uh, for our industry that allows people to say, okay, well, we have a different example out there. Here's an yep. example of someone who, you know, and I, I have to be very honest about this. I mean, if my husband and I, you know, it didn't work out, then I wouldn't maintain my marriage just because I want to be an ambassador for it. You also have to be very honest about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're being an ambassador. I know that historically speaking, a lot of people have made some decisions in the interest of being ambassadors that are not in their own self-interest. Yep. But insofar as I am just who I am, and I think that I am a pretty decent ambassador for, you know, look, you can be educated. You can get an education. Look, you can, you know, you don't have to be 100%, you know, greedy and all about your own profits. You can be looking out for the people who work for you. In my case, yep. it's, you know, 40 employees and it's a ton of performers. Um, mm -hmm. You can look out for them. And that can be an example, you know, for others in the industry. Uh, and also, an ambassador to the entire world to say, you know, this is how you can run a company. I try really hard to say you can have a relationship. Uh, you know, I don't want to hold out my relationship. I'm kind of a private person, frankly, um, yep. despite being on camera. It's it's kind of it, much like actors in Hollywood have their own private life and they Absolutely. want to keep their life private. And then yep. they go on the silver screen in front of millions. There is this interesting thing. I try and say, like, look, I have my life and I, you know, I'm happily married and, and I, I'm really happy with I'm like, I have a really happy life. And on top of that, I'm I'm on screen. Um, it is always wild on that one point. Um, it is. When you uh and and I used to not appreciate how much, you know, movie stars and you know, people in the music industry have to deal with this. But I think because someone goes on stage or someone is on the silver screen, mm -hmm. certain crazy fans think that they're entitled to you and your personal life, to access for you and your personal life. You know, and, and I would yep. see tabloids do certain things and the paparazzi, and I didn't quite appreciate just how not cool that is, that just because they, you know, have this life over here, that everyone thinks that they should, you know, have access to everything that's going on in their private life, which I, I don't agree with. And it's even more, I mean, I am not a movie star, movie star, right? There are right. people who are known by everyone on the planet, you know, Meryl Streep and, you know, yep. George yep. Clooney, what are these people that they, they are, they are stars. Yep. Millions and billions of people know who they are. I am, a few people know who I am. Yep. Uh, I get recognized in public by those people who consume our media. Mm -hmm. But still, there are those individuals who assume that they should have access to, you know, my private Everything. life. Mm -hmm. I totally um, get it. Anyway, anyway, that, that's a totally separate conversation. It's just sort of like, because it came up, I, I thought I'd mention it, but it is true. Well, no, but it, but it's, a, it's an interesting thing when you are in that space. And, you know, I'm even in a different space than you are, man, because, you know, I'm not huge in this arena, but there are people who listen to this podcast. They've seen my books and, and there's been the occasional time that, you know, somebody sees me and, uh, oh, wow, you're actually, yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm a human. Hello. That's right. Um, you know, and then they want to know more detail. I'm like, ah, that's off limits. You know, I, and I share a lot. I mean, I, there's no doubt I share a lot on my podcast to a point. But you also get to choose both yes. on your podcast and in real life 
when and with whom you're going to share. So when you're sharing, absolutely, your, you understand that that's what you're making public. That's great. That's your choice. You can yep. send in your private life. You might be friends with someone who you want to share things with, and you might meet someone on the street who you might want to share things with, but you're making that decision. Absolutely. When someone comes up to you and they feel entitled to information from you, entitled to information from you. If someone goes online and reverse searches, you know, your, I don't know, your, the, the, the deed to your home and then finds out where you live and then, you know, stalking you right. in certain ways, then you're like, well, I didn't actually consent to have you this right. up my rear uh, exactly. in, in terms of like being involved in my life. Like that you're, you've crossed some lines. And I know a lot of uh, people who are, uh, who have experienced that. And I, I, I feel for them anyway, se separately. My only point was that as an ambassador, you have to be thoughtful about how your actions translate to what other people think. And so as much as I am saying these things about what I would like to see happen in our broader society, what I, how I'd like perceptions to change about pornography, I think it's really important that I, I state right now why it is that I decided to be a performer. And fundamentally, I try and sort of do uh, through my actions. I try to show what I believe. Um, my actions are you know, that I believe as a performer, you are doing something that's very good. Um, and, and I, I think it's, it's important for me to show through my actions that, that I, I, I am able to show you that like, look, you can actually, as a performer, do good in the world. And, and, you know, my company can do good. I am doing it. I'm, I'm actively yeah. doing that. And, and also, uh, I, my communication about this isn't in direct conflict or direct contradiction to what I am doing. Um, well, you're being in full alignment with who you are. That's the thing. And that's that's one of the most beautiful things I feel like when we come out and if we continue to realize our coming out process teaches us so much about being in that authentic space. It's it's an absolute boon to empowerment to who we are as individuals. And it should be a reflection to society. That would be my goal. And I love that that's what you've shared today is this isn't just about you going, screw the world, everybody needs to get on board. It's no, there's here's the good side of why this can be healthy for the planet and for humanity and for individuals. Anybody who's hiding there, like I can't have this fantasy because that's gross. It's it's something I shouldn't be thinking about. It's something that needs to be said because this is why I believe, and this is probably a good place to like really you know bring all this to a head. Is if we keep putting all this stuff in closets, we are going to continue to have the mental health crises. That are Absolutely. happening on the planet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we can have these candid conversations about these sort of things like we've done today, it gives people permission to say, I'm okay. I'm actually okay. And and if you think, I mean, there's been all this talk about like sex workers and you know, support yep. sex workers. If you think, oh, I in a in a vague sense or in a in a sort of abstract sense, I support sex workers. I support, you know, the sex work industry. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when it comes right down to it, if someone in your life says, Hey, I, I'm going to go and uh, I want to do some, some work. I want to perform on open only fans. I want to do something like, ah, don't do that. Terrible idea. Mm -hmm. You know, this is then, then really what's happening is you, you've, you're still sort of really, you, you, you've disconnected. You think that there's absolutely people are bad about us doing this type of work. And, and I would challenge you to ask yourself, would you feel the same way if the person said, Oh, I've got an opportunity to go work on Broadway on the show, or I have an opportunity mm -hmm. to go to this movie. And let me tell you, those shows on Broadway and movies, they are physically taxing on a level that is it's extreme. This person is going to have to do a ton of work 
in order yep. to take a significant role on Broadway or do a significant role in movies. Yep. That's real work. There's a reason why very few people actually make it to the level of stardom, movie yep. stardom, that, that they do. It's, it's just, it's a ton of work. It takes a lot of commitment. You have to be talented. If someone has to be talented enough, you know, physically attractive enough uh, with, you know, certain attributes that don't necessarily exist in the general population for everyone, as it happens, you know, not every girl is born, not every guy is born with huge... Yep endowments yep. um, that just happens to be a thing and then they say hey i want to go do this thing the consideration should be hey is this going to impact your current job because we live in an environment today mm -hmm. or do you have ambitions to go into a profession where this will be yep. impacted think about those things for sure absolutely if they're saying no i want to spend my life doing this thing and your response is don't how are you any different than any other person who right. when says this is my dream and you say don't do it like, right like, well hi it's because of your own, I think, internal bias. And if Absolutely. we're able to get past that bias, like broadly speaking, we need to start, you know, putting our actions like first, right? like if you really believe that you want to support sex workers then support everyone who's going into this, you know, space, you really Absolutely. Want to support sex workers, then you really need to embrace the idea that this is a healthy and can be a very healthy and happy and lucrative kind of thing, probably less mm -hmm. lucrative than think with Pornhub and others, right. <laughs> but, but yep. it is, it still can be, um, if people are smart about it and more so today with things like the fan platforms than ever before. Absolutely. Well, Legrand, I got to tell you, this has been one of my favorite conversations in a while because it was candid. It was real. It was honest. It was permission giving. I mean, one of the things that's behind my brand is living your life without apologies. And I feel like the more everyone is given that right, where, it, you know, within reason that it absolutely doesn't hurt somebody else. There's nothing you're doing, nothing you are doing in my book that is hurting somebody else. You're, in fact, if anything, you're giving other people permission to go be more of themselves in the work that you do, in the company that you've created, in the networks that you're putting out there for people to say, okay, I am not this weird anomaly. So I so appreciate you being here, man. And I know you got one other thing you want to say real quick here. So go ahead for it, man. I just want to, in, in the sense that I kind of want to uh, plug something really, really quick. Yep. Um, insofar as performers have the opportunity to, to make money today, I would love to just quickly say something I think is good sound business advice and is relevant today, which mm -hmm. is that if you tie yourself to one studio and then you open up your OnlyFans, that allows you to use the studio as a big marketing engine. Think about mm -hmm. tons of billboards they can put up. Every quote unquote scene that you do with them becomes a billboard. You can't do yep. this by going and filming with every single studio on the planet, but you pick one studio. Hopefully it's a studio that's absolutely booming and that everyone knows about. Then every time you shoot with them and they promote your content, that is a billboard that grows your business because as a performer today, you should be your own business. And when you work mm -hmm. with a studio like Carnal, we act as an advertising engine for your business. And secondly, I know that a lot of people have a lot of questions and probably will follow up with you about older, younger stuff. And, you know, they're, they're, this is going to be a topic. People, a lot of times they think, I actually, as an omnivore, I'm into a lot of things. Mostly I'm into guys my age and older. I really am a fan of daddies. But I am aware that obviously a lot of the performers I shoot with, you know, are younger. And that is, you know, a lot of people mm -hmm. are looking for that dynamic. And I want to make sure that people, you know, especially some of our younger performers, um, Austin Young was sort of very famous you know, at 23, people really tried to shun him and tell him that he looked too young and would get him really worked up. And he'd say, am I allowed to do this? I'm legally of age. And he's like, right. worry about what other people say. You are of legal age. You're allowed to make this decision. 
Uh, yep. Your decisions in your life, and that's just fine. We support it. We later, I went on to make some decisions we didn't quite agree with. But my point is, I think that it's really important for young people and for older people, regardless of what age, to know that you are okay. Once you have, once you meet these kind of minimum criteria of, um, I am of legal age and I'm of sound mind and I'm considering the consequences of what I'm doing, uh, we want you to know that you are supported and that you are part of a very important movement that will ultimately, I think, change the way people perceive sex and sexuality and themselves in the world. And so we really want to say thank you to all those performers out there. Absolutely. Well, and thank you, man, for positioning this in such an amazing way to truly give people permission to say, yep, this is who I am. And this is, a, this is more than okay. This is how I choose to be in the world and how I choose to show up and how I choose to enjoy being who I am as an LGBTQ person. So really appreciate you, LeGrand. And we will have all the connections to all the sites, to Carnal Media and some of the other sites um, on the podcast. If anybody has questions, please feel free to funnel them over to me. If I can't answer them, I will funnel them to LeGrand to some degree. He's got a lot of business stuff he's running, but um, I really appreciate this entire conversation, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.